back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood, and it's great to have you here. Tonight's episode is going to be a little bit of a mix of a bunch of different topics, nothing in particular. We're going to have a little bit of fun, though. The podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. And as usual, I went over to Cots Bros. And I had a bunch of stuff I needed to order for the upcoming trapping season. I put things together on Tuesday. I had a little bit of time off Tuesday and I was able to put together an order. And I had to go in the woods for a couple days and I got back Friday. And there are two big heavy boxes sitting on the porch from Cots Bros. So uh, just like machines, those guys, it's it's amazing. They're always on the ball, and they get the order shipped out fast. Um, you don't have to worry whether or not something's in stock. If you order it from the website, it is going to be in stock and available, and they're going to ship it out quick. So I got a lot of stuff there. Um, and uh, just kind of looking behind me, I, we did a little unboxing, me and my boy, and recorded it. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to put it up on YouTube. It might be a little bit of fun. I haven't watched it yet to see how it turned out. But uh, we we just went through and had a little fun taking all the stuff out of the boxes and and looking it over. We got some lure some lure uh, ingredients for the lure making stuff. Got uh, some sleeves and some cable and chain for earth anchors. We picked up some more KBL quick dye, the kind of equivalent to uh, speed dip. Uh, some full metal jacket. We got a gallon of that to try in our foothold traps. We got a bunch of flake wax for making wax dirt. And the biggest thing was a dozen MB550s. Big price tag, but um, we're going to do just a little bit of coyote trapping. So we got to have some coyote traps that are going to work well for us. So I got those, and it was kind of nice, you know, looking at all that stuff. There was a big order. A lot of stuff, probably a hundred pounds worth of freight, and it costs twenty bucks to ship it. So, uh, boy, it really—I mean, you, you can't beat that. You know, I some of the stuff I looked at, I was like, ah, I'm gonna wait and get the the dye and the f- wax and stuff. I'm gonna get that at convention because I'm going to convention in a few days, and and the traps I was gonna get those at convention, and I started looking at it and looking at the prices. And if you're making a big order, there's really no sense in in going to the convention. I was going to have to pack all that stuff in my vehicle and drive it four or five hours back home. Um, now, for 20 bucks for the whole order, uh, you can't beat it. You can't beat it at all. So I was pretty happy with that. I, I'll still buy some stuff at the convention. But when, when you know I was making an order, I just tacked on a few items. And uh, that worked out really well. And it'll save me a little bit of space because I'm going to need it. All right, so thanks, Cots Bros, for sponsoring the podcast. And you guys that haven't got your trapping supplies yet, this is the time of year. We're in August. I know a lot of guys down south don't start trapping for quite a while now, but the northern guys, you know, mid-October, we're going to be going. So even some people maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Um, But it's time to get supplies ready. Time to make wax dirt if you're into predator trapping. And uh, I, I've been meaning to do this for a little while. I got my dirt scouted out. Um, one of the things about making wax dirt is you, you got to have you know, a good source of dry dirt. And it doesn't necessarily have to be 
dirt dirt it can be a, a variety of different grain sizes you know you don't want clay and you don't want gravel um, but something like you know anywhere between dirt and kind of a sand works pretty well and I'm pretty lucky it just so happens that the farm that I bought a few years ago one of the areas uh, around where I, my house is we're sitting on a band of about four feet of straight sand and it's it's not super wide it's probably I don't know maybe 20 30 yards 30 40 yards wide but it's like you can tell it was an old beach from ancient riverbed or something and it's 100% sand all the way down to bedrock it's like I mean you you can't find a rock in it. it it's pretty amazing so you dig down through the topsoil and you get into that sand and it's just like unlimited you know how you grab as much as you want I got a couple of places where I put the cows in and uh, the bull bulls will pot the grass a little bit and they get into some of the sand and they they break that top soil open and they have this big area of sand and then they get to playing in the sand and they're rubbing their faces in it and kicking it up and they make that hole bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, it, it gets uh, I got a couple of them that are about the size of a pickup truck and then the turkeys get in there and they're uh, dusting in that sand pit and the calves get in and play and the the foxes and groundhogs and everything's kind of going to that sand pit so uh, I had the cows out of there for a while and I I had a you know it was a nice open area and it was looking getting pretty dry we had a couple weeks without rain so I grabbed a shovel and I shoveled it up into a big pile and it, it was still a little bit moist underneath you know three four inches down so I shoveled it up into a pile and I thought I'm gonna just let that sit in the sun and I let it set and a couple of hours go by and I went back and I kind of stirred it around with the shovel get the you know got another layer of kind of moist dirt moist sand up to the surface to start drying and I was gonna just get that all dried out I had to take off go to the woods and we got rain so I covered it up I, I threw a tarp over that before I left and it's probably, I don't know, would have filled probably 10, 10 or 12 five-gallon pails uh, worth of sand. That would have done me. That would have been fine for what I what I need this fall. And it, uh, you know, had a tarp on it. We got a whole bunch of rain. I got back, went to go grab my tarp, and it just so happened I had to, that day I had to move the cows back in because they had to go to a different pasture. And as soon as they got in there, they started ripping up at my tarp and got that all torn up into a big open mess. So I got to start over. But I'm going to be looking, uh, grabbing another bit of sand from a nearby area, and uh, and I'll get my wax dirt going here pretty soon. So the simplest way to do that if you're going to make wax dirt, you know, there's a wide variety of ways to do it. The simplest is probably pick a hot, sunny day. Get a tarp, lay it out on the ground, and have your dry sand. You know, you can get that from, you can get, if it's been dry and it hasn't rained for a while, you can get it anywhere, really. Um, you can get dirt from anthills. It's not really sand. That's more of a, a soil dirt consistency. You can get all that material. If it's dry, great. If it's not, bring it in somewhere get it under cover, get it drying. You can also go to an old barn, machine shed, anywhere that 
you've got some some cover that's not receiving rain you can go under uh, bridges and get that stuff if it's bigger different size material you can use a screen and screen that out get that dry dirt you're gonna bring that dry dirt over your tarp and spread it out evenly over the surface of the tarp in a pretty thin layer you get your wax if if Probably the best way to do this is get that flake wax. It's called flaked wax, but it's really like it's really tiny consistency. It's almost like it looks like sugar or salt. And you sprinkle that over the top of the sand, and then you take another tarp and you put that over the top of uh, the sand and the wax. Cover that up and let that set in the sun for a few hours, and the wax will melt into the sand. You pull that top tarp off and kind of mix everything in. If it all looks good, fill up your pails with wax dirt, get it under cover, and you're good to go. Uh, there's other other ways to do it, but that's probably the simplest, and that's what I'm going to do when I finally get a hot day that I, I can get something done. Uh, so anyway, yeah, gr- another great order from Cots Bros. The podcast is also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is an auction house that's run for trappers by trappers. And listen, it's it's getting harder and harder to find a fur buyer in the country. Uh, regardless of where you trap, uh, you're you're pretty lucky if you have a, a fur buyer local that's near close enough to you that you can drive over and sell your fur. Most of us no longer have that ability. So, you know, we're talking, I, I get to drive hours or I get to meet someone special in order to sell my fur. It's just as convenient to send it to auction. Uh, I would love the experience of a local fur buyer. If you have one, by all means, um, go through your fur buyer because you can learn a lot about fur handling, um, the fur market in general and trapping. It's just great to have an old timer with a lot of experience to deal with. But if you don't have that option, fur harvesters is a great option. So, you know, they charge an 11% commission. They will sell your fur at auction, and they're going to do their best to get the top prices that they can for your fur. Um, We're talking, you know, a a large number of buyers all in one place with a pile of fur available. So you're getting, they're putting your fur in a place where it's got the most eyes on it to get bids and get people, people interested. So you, it's really simple. Uh, just go to furharvesters.com and check them out. You can see where, uh, how to ship fur, the different depots and places to send the fur to, and uh, how that whole process works. And you'll have uh, contact information that you can find on their website from local people who ship for FHA and their phone numbers and addresses and how to get in touch with them. So that's furharvesters.com. Or you can give them a call at area code 705-495-4688. Speaking of fur, I get a beautiful, beautiful box of tanned fur in from Moil Mink and Tannery this week. So I was kind of getting worried. I sent these in sometime in uh, March or April, and I hadn't heard back from Moil. I started to wonder what was going on, if I was ever going to get my furs. They're really backed up. And all of a sudden, this box showed up. Uh, and I was pretty pumped to see it. 
open it up and this is all of my Martin and Fisher and Weasel pelts from well it's not all of them it's pretty it's it's a lot most of them from this past trapping season so you remember when I was you know these episodes from November and December from out on the trap line uh, all the ups and downs trials tribulations uh, going through a, a pretty bad period where I was pretty sick and had to pull all the traps and sit at home and then coming back uh, getting two feet of snow uh, buying a snowmobile so I could run the trap line and and going through and starting to pile up uh, some critters in in two feet of snow in November and trapping in through uh, about the middle of December and learned a lot worked hard had a heck of a lot of fun it was one incredible adventure so I mentioned once before in a past episode of the podcast that I was sending this stuff out to get tanned because the low fur prices, you know, sometimes you get a look at different options. So I I decided to send it out to get tanned and I was going to offer tanned pelts uh, for sale. So uh, I, I just mentioned it and I didn't talk too much about it because I, I wasn't really sure how many I was going to have and... Uh, when they're going to come back or any of that, but I did have a couple of guys email uh, and get in touch with me about being interested in buying some of those furs. So uh, they came in. I contacted uh, you guys that contacted me. I uh, kept your information and I shipped out a couple Martin and a Fisher um, that the night the furs came in. And I haven't uh, I haven't done anything in terms of trying to sell any more uh, to this point. So I've gone through and I've looked at the the pelts. They're they're Martin Fisher. There's a few weasels. I probably won't sell those, uh, but I do want to sell most of the Martin and Fisher. I got one Fisher that I caught with my boys here on the farm, and uh, we we kept that one. That's hanging up in the house right now. Uh, that's that's a pretty special memory. And then uh, my two boys, their their first weasels they caught out back of the house. Uh, they each got a weasel pelt now, and and that's theirs. You know they kind of. I give it to them, and they can do whatever they want with them. So they've been playing with their weasels uh, pretty pretty regularly the past few days. Um, but the rest of these, uh, you know, I'm going to sell them. So if you are interested in a Martin or Fisher pelt from my trap line this past fall, uh, email me jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Here's what's going to be. These are really nice pelts. Uh, uh, very prime, just beautiful looking furs. Um, you know, it's there's nothing spectacular. They're not Alaska Martin or anything, but they're you know they're northern Maine furs. The Martin are going to be seventy five dollars a pelt, and the Fisher are going to be a hundred. And these are uh, that's shipping included and everything included. Uh, that's that's to your door. So if you are interested, I have um, I think I think five Fisher left. Actually, no, I have four Fisher left. And uh, the Mar- so what I do with the Martin, I had a f- the, I have some really good ones that I pulled out, and I'm going to sell those first. And I think I have uh, s- six or eight of those. And then I have a few that have either like a little bit of fur maybe slipped off of them, or uh, one has a bit of a hole near the back. Um a couple of them are a little smaller than the others, um, or maybe one might have been a little early caught. 
if you if you don't really have it in your budget to have you know a, a really nice thick fancy pelt and you you but you still are interested in getting one um, I'll sell those for quite a bit cheaper so um, substantially lower price maybe 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 like uh, somewhere around forty dollars for one of those Martin pelts um, so give me send me an email if you want a, a Martin or Fisher pelt and um, we'll get the payment details worked out uh, it, it seems it's pretty simple I can usually just send you a PayPal invoice and you can pay through that if you do PayPal if you don't you can um, you can send me a check through the mail and I can ship it when I get the check so either way that works uh, just let me know jrodwood at gmail.com and I'll, I'll give you a little little letter with a picture of of me with the season's catch and uh, just a little thank you there so uh, appreciate that if anybody's interested in in getting some pelts now for trappers in the northeast we get something big coming up this weekend uh, this coming weekend is uh, the 43rd New England Trappers Weekend at Neil Olson's in Bethel, Maine. So that's in western Maine. It is a gathering of trappers. Uh, as the name implies, it's been going on for over 40 years. E- extremely popular, uh, a long history, and uh, it, it's a big party. It, it's a lot of fun. They're probably uh, between two and three thousand people that go through the gates at Neil's over the course of the weekend. Uh, you can camp there. I'm going to be camped out there. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out camped in this big field. Uh, a lot of people have campers. Some people just uh, like me. I'm just going to set out a tent. Um, there are there. Are, activities throughout the entire weekend and it's it's kind of one of those deals where back in the 70s when this thing was started it was it was 100 percent you know trappers uh and and that that's what it was it was trapping and it still is trapping but you know of those 2500 people or so a lot of people started going back when trapping was big and it was a big event and get together but over the years, you know, a lot of those people don't trap anymore, but they still go to this weekend. Um, it, it is a lot of fun, and it's it, just a big crowd and lots of like-minded people. It's, uh, it's a great experience. But when you get into, like, the, the core guys that are actually uh, there at the tent, uh, watching all the demos, talking trapping, getting into the real nitty-gritty of trapping, you know, there's, there's probably uh, just a... Uh, two three hundred people that are that are really into it, and I think you know a lot of conventions tend to be that way. Uh, but this is this is a really really good get together, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've since I've moved back here to Maine, I I didn't go right off, but I went uh, a couple years ago. This will be my third year in a row uh, going back to Neil's. I went back when I was in high school and college, just kind of getting started trapping. And uh, it was great to come back a couple of years ago, and and see how very little has changed. It's, it's a whole lot of fun, and uh, it, it's a it's a great place for trappers to gather. It's full of vendors. There's lots of people selling trapping supplies, so it's a great place to get your supplies, and uh, just you know share ideas, talk trapping. There's tailgaters. Just about everybody um, 
half the people that are camped out actually are selling stuff too. So there's rows and rows and rows of tailgaters that are selling used traps and stretchers and trapping supplies and guns and knives and uh, just about anything you can imagine. So um, just a little bit of the schedule for the weekend. So like I said, it's in Bethel. It's pretty easy to find. If you Google Neil Olson Trappers Weekend, somewhere near the top you're going to see this um, uh, website. I think it's a Bethel, Bethel Main Chamber, Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and they have the flyer there that you can download. The weekend is August 15, 16, 17, and 18 of this year. The address is 760 East Bethel Road in Bethel, Maine. And it starts on Thursday. So basically the, the vast majority of everything that's going on is going to be Friday and Saturday. So that's when most of the demos are going to happen. The auctions, it just all, all of the, the, the bulk of the activity is going to be those days. So Thursday is kind of just a time, Thursday morning, dealers come in and set up. Everybody gets their booths ready. Um, <clears throat> the Nothing really starts Thursday morning. Thursday afternoon, there's a few demos that go on. And it's just kind of small crowd, just guys that are there early on, and mostly people who come to sell stuff and, and give demos and stuff, uh, and, and the real diehards that are there early. Um, so, so 1 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, Wes Osborne and Steve Rankin are going to talk about a new bear trap um, that is kind of a revolutionary bear trap it, that is now legal to use in Maine. So they're going to go over that. Uh, 2 o'clock, uh, Troy Ryerson's going to talk about chaga and, and other mushrooms. At 3 p.m., the man himself, <clears throat> Neil Olson, is going to be talking about the fur market, uh, industry thoughts, ideas, and complaints. <laughs> so Neil will be able to get on his soapbox and talk to us about trapping. Uh, 4 o'clock, there's a demo about beekeeping. At 4.30, uh, ginseng and mushrooms. And a quarter after 5, there's a main bear trapping demo. So that's Friday. Now Saturday, or that's Thursday, sorry. Now Friday is when things kind of really get going. Uh, 7.30 on Friday morning, there's uh, a demo on uh, that new bear trap again. They're going to talk about that again. 8 o'clock, uh Captain John talks saltwater fishing, a little bit off topic. Um, 8.30, there's a demo on trap fastening. 9 o'clock, this is an exciting one. I hope to see this. Red O'Hearn is going to talk about Iowa-style mink trapping. And at 10, Bob Noonan on skunk gland removal. Um, <clears throat> there's a bunch of uh, old school mountain men types from 10 to 12 that are going to talk about uh, cooking, fire starting, and hatchet throwing. Uh, 11 o'clock, uh, Ray St. Peter's going to talk uh, modern day trap checking. 1 p.m., Terry Newton will talk main style beaver trapping. Then at 2 o'clock, you got Woody Debray, who's going to talk New York canines. I've seen that demo before. It's uh, Woody's a, a lot of fun to watch and listen to. Real enthusiastic uh, coyote trapper. And then at three, the young legend J.P. Wilson, New York dryland predator trapping. J.P. always gives a good demo. Uh, yours truly at four o'clock. I'll be talking about under ice beaver trapping, 
and never done this demo before, so it should be a little interesting. It might be a little bit awkward. I could probably screw a few things up, um, but I, I'm sure it will, it will all be fun. Um, and that I'm um, the last demo of the day, and then there's a mini auction after supper at six o'clock. Uh, that auction, uh, that's that that can be a lot of fun. Just uh, pick up a few things and talk to people and joke around. And ooh, the Elvis impersonator will be there at 7:30, 7:30 p.m. on Friday. Should be a good time. Uh, so Saturday morning, uh, Saturday. Another big day for demos. Uh, Ken Peck, 7 o'clock a.m. is going to talk Beaver. Um, 8 o'clock, uh, the, the Trappers course is going to start. So um, for the youngsters who haven't, or people who haven't trapped before, and you need a Trapper safety course, um, you can call him 207-483-4799. Uh, sorry, 4779. That's 207-483-4779. Call him to sign up for the Trapper Education course. Great chance to get your course in, because um, uh, you know sometimes it can be hard to find a course. Uh, Eight o'clock, Toby Edwards. Uh, no details. It should be something interesting. Um, Eight thirty, Trapper Girl Bobby Joe is going to talk canines. Nine o'clock. This is probably the most popular demo of the weekend. It has been for years. The legendary Randy Cross is uh, the bear expert in Maine, and Randy's going to be talking uh, bear trapping. So he does uh, a really popular demo. He talks in general about the, he's an inland fisheries and wildlife uh, bear biologist. He has been for over 30 years, and I believe Randy's closing in on retirement pretty soon. So this is one of your last opportunities to see, see him in his prime. Um, I don't know, maybe Randy will keep doing this in retirement. That, that'd be great if he did. But uh, he gives a great demo. He actually, he'll speak for a while under the tent, and then he goes out in the woods out back and uh, shows you exactly how to, to set up for bears. So um, uh, that bear snaring it's, it's, uh, is basically the way um, to trap bears in Maine. And a lot of regulation changes have been underway, and uh, there's a lot of things that are, it's, it's very complicated now. You have to be well-educated to understand the how to legally trap a bear in Maine. So Randy, uh, th- this is a great demo because he shows you exactly how to do it. Uh, then at 10 o'clock, Billy Bog Thompson uh, shows how he and Neil caught 178 beavers in one week. So Billy, I've had a chance to talk with Billy quite a bit. He comes up to my area uh, in the springtime to trap beavers uh, during our extended spring season and he stacks the beavers up like cordwood. It is unbelievable. Uh, so I've, I've already learned a great deal from Billy and, and other people have as well. He's a real humble guy. He's a real interesting cat and I love talking with him. And, and I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'll put him on my list for trying guys that I'm going to try to chase down to do an interview. I don't know if I'll be able to get it done, but it would be awesome to talk to him and have him share uh, some of his insights with you guys on beaver trapping. At 11, John Pingley will talk about uh, canine trapping in West Virginia. John's also going to be selling uh, supplies there at the at the weekend. 11.45, J.P. Wilson, Bobcat, Canines, and the Difference. 
Um, at 12.30, Tom Hart from Connecticut will be talking mink trapping. He's an enthusiastic mink trapper. 1 o'clock, again, the legend Red O'Hearn will talk about uh, otter trapping. Then 2 o'clock, Jerry Braley. He's usually, in the past, he's done a, a, a water trapping demo, but here it says the Martin Man, and Jerry's a heck of a good Martin trapper, so I'm thinking he's going to give a Martin demo here. 3.30, there is a firing of the cannon and the kids' fishing contest. 4 o'clock, coon dog trials. Um, at 5, there's a break. And then 6 o'clock is the big auction. And 9 o'clock is the dance on Saturday night. Um, not, uh, some people like myself may not make it that late <laughs> on Saturday. May may head home before the, before the big thing. Um, but that is that Saturday, Sunday morning. Basically, uh, there's a church service with uh, Trapper Pastor Lloyd Waterhouse, and then people just basically pick up and head home. Um, so there's a lot of other things going on. Who's who and what's what? Um, there's a kids fishing contest. Uh, first fish, last fish, most fish, longest pole that catches the fish. Uh, first 10 kids that catch a fish will receive a Zebco reel, thanks to Cabela's. Um, Chris Hill will be emceeing. Um, the Ancient Ones of Maine will be there. Steve Stone will be demonstrating chainsaw carving. Uh, Misty Lane, the Skull Lady, will be there. Glacierware, um, they make fur products uh, out of your furs or theirs. Uh, Max Traps there for the, the fishermen. Uh, the especially the ice anglers. Um, there's t-shirt sales and uh, all kinds of other things going on. So it should be a fun weekend. If you are anywhere in the driving distance to Bethel, Maine, it would be great to uh, to have you show up. And, and if you do uh, get there and you listen to the podcast, I'd love to have you come up and say hi. That'd be great. Um, sometimes you go to those demos, those... Uh, uh, rendezvous and you don't really know a lot of people or you might know one or two people that you talk to the whole time but it's fun to to branch out and get to know new people i found that usually after a couple years of going to events like that you start to make friends and then all of a sudden it's like you know everybody there you go from being a a stranger that's kind of awkward a little bit you don't really know who to talk to or who to approach or you're a little shy which which i always have been to all of a sudden you know, your your pals at everybody. I'm I'm not there yet, but um, neither will you be if you you're there for the first time. So uh, just show up and and introduce yourself to people, um, learn and listen and and share ideas and and talk trapping. It's just a great time. Now with the trapping season coming up and convention season underway and all kinds of things going on and people getting geared up for the season. Uh, it's time to get trapping lures. And uh, lure making season is underway. I finally started making lures again. I stopped last winter when uh, I, you know, I, I kind of sold out of what I had for my long distance call. And I decided I didn't want to make, make any more uh, to try to sell during the slow months. Uh, I was just going to hold off. And so I didn't have any available. And, and for those folks who have uh, gone to the website, gone to trappingtoday.com, and was looking for the lure. I apologize, but it's just been out of stock. You know, so you can click on the thing, read all about the lure and everything, and you go to buy it, and sorry, it's not there. So I just 
uh, made a batch of lure on uh, Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday morning. Um, I, I put together a batch of long distance call lure. I bottled it up on Tuesday morning. I posted it up on the website on middle of the day Tuesday and somebody bought a bottle of lure uh, Tuesday afternoon. So that was great to see. Uh, made a quick sale and uh, there's still a bunch of bottles available. So if you're looking to get some long distance call lure, please check it out. Um, lots of great reviews last year. I've used this lure for a few years now. And uh, last year was kind of the uh, the year that I, I really started selling it in pretty pretty decent quantities. I mean, nothing like the major lure makers, but I'm, I'm really not going for that. So uh, it's not something that, that is distributed anywhere. I, I make it. I sell it. The only place you're going to get it is from me. And uh, so you can get it in two places at this point, um, trappingtoday.com. And you can get it uh, off of eBay. So I have it. Uh, I have it listed on eBay. You just search for "trapping today long distance call." Um, so trappingtoday.com. Uh, pick it up. Uh, there's a there's a company called Gumroad that does the payment processing for me. And actually, I finally upgraded the website. I've, I felt kind of crazy. Um, I felt a little bit. Um, maybe I was a little bit stubborn. Uh, basically, all all websites over the past couple of years have been upgrading to this HTTPS, which is uh, a kind of a, a there's it's a security measure. So you know, you used to type in web addresses HTTP colon slash slash www.trappingtoday.com. Well, um, over time, I guess there's been some security issues where those types of sites can get hacked into and your information can be stolen and, and whatnot. And so it, Google has decided that it's everybody needs to be upgraded to this HTTPS, which is uh, a more secure experience for people viewing the website. And even though the sites have no issues with them as far as security goes, if you're not upgraded to this HTTPS, um, a lot of people that search and find your site, they're going to get a message that says, this is not secure. Um, do you want to proceed? You're taking a big risk, basically, of losing all your information and whatever. Um, so I never figured that was a big deal. Uh, you know, I knew there was no issues with security on Trapping Today and whatever. But, but over time, I realized that, you know what, there's probably a number of people that are getting this message. And it's ridiculous. Uh, there's nothing insecure about the site there's no chance of losing information but I'm selling lure um, through a third party which is 100% secure but maybe people are getting the idea that um, they they may take a risk by going to this site so I finally sat down went through the whole process took a couple of hours to figure out exactly how to do it and make the changes to my site but now if you go into traffic today it is HTTPS uh, encrypted so it's called a secure socket layer so uh, there are absolutely zero concerns uh, there were none to begin with but now it's kind of a double security uh, that you can you can buy stuff on the site you can go on the site none of your information is going to be shared with anybody so check it out um, trappingtoday.com scroll down click on the picture of the bottle of lure and 
pick up your long distance call lure. This is a grease based long distance call. I've developed it to withstand uh, rain, freezing, a variety of different weather conditions. Um, works extremely well in my trap line in northern Maine where we have all this different weather coming at us uh, from day to day. It can change. Temperatures can swing 30, 40 degrees. Uh, we can have dry spells. We can have long periods of wet weather and we can have big snowstorms. And this lure I found has, has held up really well. Got a lot of great reviews uh, last season from people who have used it. So um, I hope uh, if you have used it, I hope that you continue to purchase. And if you haven't, I hope you'll try it out. And let me know. Give me some feedback on how it works for you. So uh, it's $25 for a 4-ounce bottle. I only sell the lure in 4-ounce bottles. And that's $25 free shipping. So ship to your door for $25. Bucks. Um, there's a lot of money that goes into making lures. This is a really good lure. Uh, top of the line. Uh, pure quail skunk essence. Uh, the grease base is very expensive and all the ingredients in the lure. Uh, this isn't just a little bit of skunk mixed up with grease or Vaseline. Um, there's a lot that goes into this lure. So um, it, there's there's a lot of money and time put into it. Um, I, I hope you'll try it out and it's a very effective lure for calling predators from a long distance. So that's the LDC lure. Now I've been working on some other lures and I'm, I'm always a little bit of half in and half out of, of the things when it comes to lure making because I, I don't want to go full bore as a lure maker. Uh, it's not something that I want to devote a lot of time into because it does take a lot of time. Um, it's not something that I have the confidence in that that I, I'll always be the type of person that um, even when I get to the point where I have as much or more experience than a lot of other lure makers, I'll probably still feel that I don't know quite enough to be confident that this is the greatest lure ever and I can advertise it as such. So I struggle with that a little bit. Um, I, I struggle with, I really don't want to sell anything unless I'm confident that it's going to work or I'm completely transparent with you uh, about what it is. So you can decide whether you're confident that it's going to work. So I have some lures that I've, I'm not selling, um, but I've been developing and testing that I I think are going to be big. But at, well, in one one in particular, I think is going to be pretty big. But uh, I I hesitate to do anything with it or sell it at all because uh, it's still in that testing phase. So. Um, if you are, uh, I've got this one lure that I, I developed last winter, um, spring, and uh, I made up a big batch of it. I've had it aging for uh, six months or so, and it is, this, the scent is pretty amazing. Um, if you are interested in trying it out, if you're from... Uh, but it, but I, I'd like to try it out in some situation, climate that's similar to mine, and conditions uh, that I trap in, and for you know the kind of animals that I'm that I'm looking to trap. At, at least at first, because I want to see how the the lure works for me, and how that compares to how it works for other people in similar situations on their trap lines. So, if you trap good numbers of predators 
and you're in a northern climate and you're interested in trying this lure out, uh, send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com, and I'll send you an ounce of this lure. Um, and the only thing, you know, free of charge, of course, the only thing I'm going to ask is that you give me some good feedback. You give it a good try. And that's why I'm, I'm asking you to be somebody that, you know, that, that, you know, you ought to have 20 or 30 sets out anyway. Um, and, and have a number of different lures that you're using at different sets. And keep pretty good records so that you know which lure worked here, which lure worked there. You know, I'm, I, w- I want this to be something pretty serious where if you, I don't want you to, you know, crack the bottle open, sniff it, oh yeah, it's a great lure. Oh, we got awesome reviews. Oh, I, w- I want to see, I want it to, to be really tested um, and, and see it catch predators on the line. So send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com if that is interesting to you and you'd like to uh, to test it out and I'll send I'll send a few bottles out to people and uh, and we'll go from there. So it's something that if it works out well and it, and it is if it performs as good as I think it will, it's uh, it's going to be pretty good lure. Um, the, the so so what I have right now is the just the general long distance call lure. This one has uh, just a, a lot more to it, less skunk and more punch in other uh, odors. And uh, th- this one is a much more complex lure. Uh, another thing that I've been working on is a much simpler lure, but it appeals to a different, um, a different part of uh, animals' desires. This is a more of an early season predator lure. That's that's kind of a a sweet smelling lure slash bait um, for it, basically I'm, I'm developing it for myself on the Martin and Fisher trap line uh, but it can probably be used for fox and coyotes as well and it pr- pretty be a pretty versatile lure uh, for a lot of different fur bears in general um, but one of the things that we've noticed with the Martin and Fisher trapping is that in it, you know typically just the standard go-to has always been uh, skunk and beaver meat for the most part. So skunk essence as your attractant, beaver meat as the bait, and there's wide varieties. You know, some people use deer and moose scraps. They'll use muskrat, rabbit, whatever. You know, wide variety of different meats for bait. Um, but most lure is pretty much skunk. So so that's all fine and good, but what we do observe is that early in the season, Martin and Fisher aren't always attracted to the meat-based baits. And uh, one reason for that, they're just not quite as hungry during that time of year. And another reason is there are other foods available other than rather than just meat or you know other animals so in the summer in the fall late summer late summer through the fall martin are feeding on uh, berries raspberries strawberries blueberries in the wild and they're also feeding on nuts so uh, sweet types of foods that 
absolute or resemble nothing like uh, you know rotten meat or <laughs> stinky meat. Um, and and so I think what that's one of the things that on the Martin trap line, Fisher trap line that we're missing a little bit of is we we just go out and throw this meat in the back of the box or in a cubby and assume that that's going to attract them to the set and it doesn't always work. So so one of the things that I know Bob Noonan, a very good Martin Trapper, has used this. Um, a couple other people have talked about it, but it's not really widespread. Is putting something sweet uh, at your set. And you can do this on its own, independent of other things, or you can put the beaver meat in, and you can put this um, this sweet-smelling lure in as well. So uh, this is not a bait. It's not something that's designed to be eaten. It's a, it's a, a lure. Uh, but it is sweet. Um, it's going to have um, a number of different ingredients in it that are uh, that are going to resemble or attract that uh, that desire to eat a berry or a nut. So I, I guess that's probably all, Sari. And I, 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 I'm boy, I'm tempted. I want to just tell you what's in it, but. The thing, one of the things that's frustrated me so much in this lure making game, is that I started out with the long distance call lure, right? And I told people exactly what's in it and exactly how to make it. So, and I did a YouTube video on that, and it's got I don't know, probably a couple thousand views now on the exact ingredients. Here's how you put them together. Here's how you make it. Here's the proportions. Boom, 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 boom even give you links on where you can buy those ingredients and go make it yourself. I I thought that was going to be more popular than it actually was. And there are several people who have have purchased the lure and I think they really appreciate the fact that hey, this is I'm, I'm open transparent, this is what what's in it. I don't think it's a big secret, but it's a good lure and go and try it. And people have used it and it worked and they love it. But there's something about human nature and marketing where it seems as though the only way to really be able to sell something like trapping lure is to make it a big secret and something that no one can know about and you have to buy my lure in order to use it. Um, you can't make it yourself and it's a, this is a top secret thing and I won't share the ingredients and, and how I make it. And that adds kind of a mystique to things, and it, it adds a bit of scarcity where you can't get this lure anywhere else, and um, you can't make it yourself, and you got to buy it from this guy. And that sells lure. If you look at all the major lure makers out there, they aren't going to tell you what's in their lure and how they make it. And I always thought, well, you know, they're they're just overly paranoid that someone's going to steal the recipe and and. Uh, and make that lure, and I don't think it's it's that top secret um, or that special that it's like the Coca-Cola recipe or anything. But I was probably wrong. Um, that was a ma- that is a major part of their marketing, and people do believe that. So regardless of whether I think that it's um, it's a big deal to keep your lure ingredients a secret. Um, it turns out the market says it is a big deal 
because people tend to buy things that they think are difficult to copy or difficult to recreate. So people are going to buy lures from a lure maker that has developed something that's not going to tell them what's in it. It's 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 human nature and and it's marketing and it works. And so I'm kind of struggling with that a little bit. Um, I'll tell you what it is. It's uh, th- this lure that I made is really be- because it's just not it's nothing that special. It's uh, it's a mixture of uh, strawberry oil, honey, and anise, and it's mixed up into this uh, grease base. Uh, it's a, a kind of a smear type lure, so you're going to be able to just take a gob of it out of the bottle and smear it onto a stick or the side of a tree or inside the box or in the back of a cubby and it'll give that uh, sweet smelling uh, early season attractant that works for the Martin Fisher line. It'll work for a lot of fox trapping, for a lot of coyote trapping and um, you know you could throw this in uh, for muskrats. Uh, it worked great for them as well. So uh, even and coons as well. So that's what it is. There's I, I just can't do it, guys. I'm not a lure maker at heart, I guess. But <laughs> um, I haven't uh, bottled up any of that for sale. I've I've been giving a little bit here and there to people to try out and uh, and see how it works for them. But it's really no secret. So there it is. Sorry, I probably will never cut it as a real lure maker, but I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun making lures. And, and trying new things and seeing what works. But that does fill a gap. So there, there's kind of, I guess for me as a lure, as a lure maker in terms of, of someone that traps and wants lures for his trap line and wants to know what's in them and what works and what doesn't and is looking for specific things, there's kind of, I guess, four types of lures that I'm looking for and four that I'm kind of either have developed or am in the process of developing. One is just a general call lure, long distance call lure, uh, which I have and, and have kind of got to the point where I'm real happy with it and it works awesome. That's the Trapping Today long distance call. The other is a more complex type of, of call lure, something that's strong but has a lot of different attractants to it and uh, and it's just a, a more complex setup where uh, predator is going to come in and is going to pick apart different scents uh, from that lure, and and um, and it's not relying on on the skunk essence so much. Uh, the other is the early season uh, sweet type lure, something that's going to attract uh, predators' hunger or some something that uh, they're used to feeding on in early in the season. And the fourth is something I haven't developed yet, uh, but I'm going to be working on, and, and that's a long-distance call-type lure that relies on zero, zero skunk essence. Because I do feel, and I, I know there's there's guys that have said this in the past, uh, Joe Panatti is, is one of them, that skunk is probably overused. and And I think that's... Uh, very likely to be the case 
where there's a, a lot of guys out trapping and they're using this skunky long just collar. You know, if if you're, you know, if if you're in an area where you don't get a lot, whole lot of trapping pressure, not a big deal. And even if you do get trapping pressure, maybe it's not a big deal. But I think there's a possibility that there are places and situations where we're really overusing this, especially if you go and you're checking 30, 40, 50 sets, and every single one of them has this skunky long distance call lure. Where you know, of course, my lure is it's. A little bit better the LDC in the sense that it has five other ingredients where once you get past the skunk there's more to it to attract the animal but even that said really which what predator goes around um, and has a, experiences in a place where a skunk is sprayed every quarter mile or every half mile through its entire range I mean come on it's, w- there's an unnatural amount of skunk smell throughout a lot of these trap lines. So uh, I-, I think it would be wise for us to use a a long-distance call-type lure that has no skunk associated with it, at least as a change-up in, in a number of places or just, you know, part of our line, part of our trap line where we, we want to do something different. So uh, it's silly to, to go on the formula of just saying, uh, I just put skunk at every set. And personally, I'm guilty of doing that. So I'm working on developing that. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but it's a, it's a work in progress. So that's lure making. And it's a lot of fun, a uh, lot, lot to do, a lot to <laughs> spend money on, um, and uh, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of learning, a lot of a lot of hard lessons learned in lure making and a long ways to go. So that'll be it in tonight's episode. I know it was kind of a, a long, drawn-out variety of different things. Uh, n- no real focus topic, and I apologize if uh, if you're looking for something specific, but it's just uh, rattling around what was in my brain tonight. Lots going on, and uh, getting ready for trapping season. It's starting to get more and more exciting. I think we'll, things will ramp up here every week as we get closer to the trapping season. Um I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks to Cots Bros and Fur Harvesters for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, also, check out my book, Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. Um, oh, it is my goal, by the way, and I'll mention this in the future, to guilt you into buying a copy of Fur Profit because uh, I know there's a lot of you guys, I know how many people are listening to this podcast, and I know how many copies I've sold of Fur Profit. So, uh, I know a large number of you have not purchased the book. It's, it's 12 bucks, and I would greatly appreciate it if you have any use for um, learning more about the fur market, getting a better understanding of things, getting some ideas on uh, where or how to sell your fur, thinking outside the box, different ways to sell furs. Uh, I'd appreciate that. So if you don't do it for my appreciation, I'm going to try to provide you so much value in this podcast free of charge that eventually I guilt you into purchasing the book so if I haven't done that to you yet just stay tuned I'm going to keep working on it and thanks you so much for tuning in I appreciate it I am looking forward to the next episode Um, also check out the YouTube channel I actually started posting a couple of videos back on there I did a um, 
a little overview of those uh, no BS KO canine extreme traps. I went over Chris Pope's coyote trapping school short liners trapping bag. Um, I talked, uh, did a video on testing pan tension with the Sullivan's trap tester and uh, more videos to come on the YouTube channel. So check that out. Until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping, and let's get ready for trapping season. Take care, guys.